Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. Today is Tuesday, November something, 27th, November 27th. And it's about 8 in the morning. Beautiful sunny morning, though very cold, 17 degrees when I woke up this morning. So got a bit of a bite to it, but warming quickly as the sun rises. It's a great thing about New Mexico. Mm, having my first sip of London fog. So I think I mentioned yesterday that I was detoxing and I did a 24-hour fast. Um, I really I feel so much better today. It's amazing what a 24-hour fast can do. Um, what you do is like after... I'm not militant about hitting exactly 24 hours, but you know, basically the night before you stop eating food after, you know, like seven, eight, six or seven, you know, after dinner. And then you do only clear fluids for the next 24 hours. So lots and lots of water is good. I drink some detox. I like that Yogi detox tea, even if they do have irritating tags on their tea bags. And I drink green tea too. Both are both are good detoxers. And then in the evening, after you you know have made it a, approximately twenty four hours, then you make a salad of shredded carrots, beets, and red cabbage, and then you squeeze the juice of an orange over it, and you eat that. And after that, if you want more food, you can have it. I had some. Fish sticks, oh, very exciting fish sticks, mostly because I wanted a little protein and I didn't want anything too goopy, and David wanted fish sticks, so, you know, we get those um, Dr. Prager fish sticks, which are actually really healthy, so the uh, upshot of, you know, the fasting for 24 hours really clears out your system, and then you put the... Uh, good roughage through there and it really cleans you out nicely and um, also I was reading that and I kind of knew this before I knew that doing the intermittent fast is what they call it is good for your health um, <clears throat> but it's also apparently very good if you're insulin resistant and I was talking with my mom over Thanksgiving about how my dad's family has a lot of type 2 diabetes. And so far, my blood work has always been very good. Uh, but, you know, I, I do exercise a lot and I do try to be careful of what I eat. And a lot of my dad's family who are in the South are not as, you know, especially my grandmother was... Um, not good about what she ate. She had a, a very bad diet and, of course, never exercised. And she ended up uh, losing, having her foot amputated because of the type 2 diabetes. It was, um, yeah, really hard, really hard on her. But she was very heavy, too, um, and not in a good way. So I was talking about that with my mom. We were, I don't remember how the conversation came up, but we were talking about genetic stuff. And I, 
I mentioned that, you know, she said that I was lucky that I didn't have, well, I am very lucky that my family does not have much in the way of chronic diseases. Um, but, and I said, except for the, the type two diabetes on my dad's side. And she said, well, that's not genetic, is it? And I said, well, I think it is. And so I was looking it up and it is, there is a definite genetic predisposition. It can be caused by diet, but there is that predisposition. And, uh, and I was just thinking about all the ways that I have, you know, for all that I walk like 10 miles a day, and I really don't think I eat excessively. I think I have a pretty good diet. But, um, boy, is it, you know, every year is harder and harder to, you know, I gain a little bit more. And so I think I have to get very serious about this and treat myself as if I am insulin resistant. Apparently it's not easy to diagnose, you know, if you don't have, I didn't realize that doesn't really show up on the blood work if you're insulin resistant. So it was interesting to see that the intermittent fasting is something that helps resensitize your body to insulin. And it's something I, I do enjoy doing. Um, it's you know, almost like a, you know, like Dorothy Parker's quote about writing. I don't enjoy writing, but I enjoy having written. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. Um, although the fasting for 24 hours, I've done it enough times that it really doesn't bother me that much. If you do try it, people who've never done it before, um, it's it can be difficult because you, you get emotional about it. And I think that's the thing that you have to realize and just face is that you have that you'll feel these emotions because your body will sort of use that as a way to get your attention saying, Oh no, we're going to die. We're starving. And you feel sorry for yourself and all of that. But, you know, you just look forward to, you know, six o'clock, we get to have our salad. And after that, you know, you can have a treat if you want. Um, I find that it's much better for me to do it on a day that I'm working because if I do it, it's tempting to do it on a weekend because you, you do get kind of fuzzy sometimes, you know, as the your body com, you know find, looks for other sources of sugar to keep your brain going. Uh, <clears throat> but so it's tempting to do it on those days, but on those days then I really find myself craving food and, trying to find ways to cheat. If it's a day that I'm working, a really busy day, it's much, much easier. In fact, you might find that you've done this on occasion. You know, those um, crazy days when you get up in the morning and you don't have time for breakfast. So, you know, you like just drink coffee or something or orange juice, and then you end up working through lunch. And by the time you get home, you know, it's like you're heading home around five o'clock or something like that, and you haven't eaten all day. Well, that was you just did a 24 hour fast. Just cut out the coffee because it's really not good for you. <laughs> Clear with liquids, green tea, other teas are, are okay. So I'm going to, I, I used to do that once a week, I used to do it every Thursday, and I stopped. I don't really remember why. I think there were good reasons, but <laughs> clearly not that good of reasons. So I'm going to get back into doing that. Thursday will be fast day, uh, and I will do it again this Thursday. It was good to do it yesterday just to clear out the Thanksgiving stuff and also a week of road travel. Thanksgiving itself wasn't that bad, but uh, 
I ate badly for a week and you know, eating badly for a week, I put on four pounds. But then from the fast yesterday to today, I lost, let's see. So I lost uh, 2.2 pounds. And, you know, so that's all bloat. That's all, um, all water retention. And I was reading <clears throat> also that uh, if you gain weight or bloat, uh, when eating salt, which is eating out, you know, eating out, they have so much salt in the food that that's another sign of insulin resistance. So I'm just going to go with that as an operating measure and see, see how that does for me. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, always learning about your body, right? So anyway, that was a, a little nutritional dietary excursion from, well, I always diverge anyway, don't I? Um, but back to writing. <laughs> uh, I did get some good work done yesterday. I had to write a bit of bonus content for the Warrior of the World release. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned that before. Uh, before Thanksgiving, what was it? Um, Monday. I think it was Monday. So I get this email from my editor, Tara Gavin at Kensington, Rebel Base Books. Rebel Base is, a, is the sci-fi fantasy imprint of Kensington. And Tara emails me and she says, um, she says, so I know we told you that we were doing this exclusive deal, which I think I'm still not allowed to say exactly what it is, uh, which is silly because it starts next month. But anyway... We'll just say it's an exclusive deal. And she says, and, and I know I sent you the cover showing this. Uh, like They have like a featured book seal on it. Warrior of the World comes out in January, but I think it might be available early through this featured exclusive deal thing. But anyway, so she says, and I sent you that picture, and she said, but we also need the bonus content for it. Um, and could you could you send that right away? which is something that Tara does all the time. Some editors are better about this kind of thing than others. And she says, um, you know, like maybe a blog post explaining where this book fits in with the overall series or something like that. <clears throat> so I go back through our email chain while well, the conversations about this featured deal thing and the uh, exclusive so forth and all of this and there's no mention of me writing bonus content. And so I write her back and I say, eh, funny. <laughs> no, you didn't mention this to me before. <laughs> and sorry about that. And, uh, and I said, but I can try to get something to you. Actually, I think that was on Friday. Cause I said, I'd try to get it by Monday. And then I started thinking about it, and she's like, okay, great. Ha, ha, ha. You know, and I could see her email from this other gal at Kensington who had sent the email to her saying, um, do you know when Jeffy Kennedy is going to send that bonus content? Because I need to upload it. Um, <laughs> so she had poked Tara. Tara passed the poke along to me. So the more I started thinking about this, I was thinking bonus content. Well, if I were a reader and I was promised 
bonus content in an exclusive deal. I would not want like yet another blog post on how this book fits into the overall series. Especially as I've written several of those before. So I, uh, I emailed the original gal, the one who had poked Tara and I asked her about it. And I said, and I, I asked her about this on Monday because I kind of thought about it and I thought, I can't, you know, I, I nearly recycled an old blog post and I thought, well, that's just not fair to the readers. So I emailed her and asked her about it and said, um, you know, what, what exactly should it be? And she said, oh, well, you know, um, we, when we've been doing others of these, we've given, you know, like an exclusive scene, like an extra epilogue or a prologue, or she said, maybe a Q and a, something like that. And then she said that she was out for the rest of the week for Thanksgiving and I could send it to her by the following Monday, yesterday. So I said, thank you for the reprieve and good to know. So then I started mulling and I asked assistant Kareen. She, she, that's uh I don't know if it's a perk or a curse of being my assistant that I'm always asking her, well, if you were wanted one more scene, what would it get to be? So she gets these votes. And I thought about writing it over Thanksgiving, or at least on Monday, I thought about that I would write it over Thanksgiving. But then I did my thing of turning off my laptop and not turning it on again for the entire rest of the week, which was fantastic and I needed to do. So Sunday, I wrote my Word Horse, I still call it Word Horse, SFF7 blog post. And I was looking at that scene and I thought, okay, it just had to be like 750 to 1,000 words. But, um, and I started writing it. But I needed to let it percolate a little bit. I needed to get my head back in that world. And so I worked on it a lot yesterday. I only wrote like 50 words on Sunday on it. But then yesterday I wrote the rest and it ended up being like 1,075, something like that. Um, but this is a reality of traditional publishing that um, <clears throat> depending on the organization ability of the editor, they will sometimes send you these fire drills. You know, and uh, some editors are really bad about pretending like they already asked you for the thing. You know, they try to pass off for that responsibility like your horrible coworker. <laughs> We've all had coworkers who do that who are like, oh, no. I totally told you I had to have that by yesterday and they never said anything to you about it at all. And it's totally because they dropped the ball and they're trying to pass responsibility. Sometimes editors do get behind and they accidentally drop balls, but they'll usually fess up to that. Um, and they also know that writers take a while to do things. A lot of writers tend to be behind deadline, which is one reason why if you can write to deadline, um, you will automatically do very well on traditional publishing because they really appreciate that. You know, it goes back to those two of the three things. Uh, the the three qualities of a, of a good writer for traditional publishing is, is you can be very, very good, very talented, um, you can be easy to work with, and you can be on time and meet all of your deadlines. You don't have to have all three of those qualities, but you have to have at least two. So 
since none of us can guarantee <laughs> that we will always be amazingly excellent in our work, though we strive to be, it's best to, the two things that you really can control are uh, meeting your deadlines and being easy to work with. So that's why I restrain my snarky comments on these sorts of things. But um, so the other thing is, is that when they give you deadlines, they are planning for the people who take two weeks longer to do something than they think they will. So that's why it's, you know, like if somebody says that they need it right away in traditional publishing, usually that means really they need it in a week and they're just sort of front loading them. And if you push them, they'll tell you what their drop dead deadline is, especially if you have a reputation for meeting the drop dead deadline. So anyway, I wrote that scene yesterday and went back and forth with Tara a little bit on it. And she um, <laughs> gave me a couple of edits on the piece that showed she clearly did not remember the ending of Warrior at all, um, which is which is fair enough. Um, you know, editors read tons of stuff and they haven't read things for a long time. So... Anyway, it's a very fun scene. It's a uh, a new point of view. It's not Ivariel. It's a new point of view as per Corrine's request. So take it up with her. Um, so I got that out, and then I started back in on Sorceress Moons. Um, slowly, creakingly, and... Now I'll start um, really trying to lay on the word count on that, which I've been saying for a long time, right? <laughs> but today I mean it. But actually, I have nowhere to be today. I have no appointments today. So I think I might just try to keep myself at it until I either hit word count or go bust. Word count or bust. I could tell you guys that funny story I've told other people, but... Um, when I was a little girl, probably, I think it was third grade. I think it was my third grade year. And I grew up in Colorado. So my class was doing a uh, intensive study of Colorado history. And we all had to pick a topic for our, you know, like our report. And... I decided, you know, we and we had to clear with the teachers. We were all going, talking to her about it, having like our little one-on-one -on -one conference. And I told my teacher that I wanted to do my report on Mount Bust. And she said, I don't think there is a Mount Bust. And I said, oh, <clears throat> yes, there is. It's the one that the pioneers wanted to go to if they couldn't get to Pike's Peak. <laughs> Because they had those signs on the wagons that said Pike's Peak or Bust. <laughs> so that reveals a whole lot of my internal, uh, the way I see the world right there from my early childhood. That, you know, for me, it was like, you know, we could go to Pike's Peak or we could go to Bust. I mean, both are perfectly good mountains. <laughs> yeah. After all, why? Why issue ultimatums? So, 
I think on that note, I will pop off and get diligent about my word count. I hope you all have a lovely Tuesday. Um, those of you in the Midwest who are snowed in, I hope that you're cozy and warm. And I guess it's heading east too, so brace yourselves, Bridget. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks for sharing my first cup of coffee with me. Bye-bye.